Father, we thank you. Yes, Lord, we confess our need this evening. Without you, we fall apart. You are the one who guides our heart. You are our one defense. You are our righteousness. You are our shield. You are our exceedingly great reward. It is you we adore. It is you we desire. Father, as the psalmist said, nothing I desire compares to you. Who have we in heaven but you, O Lord? There is nothing on earth that we desire apart from you. O Lord, this evening, pour your love into our hearts. That we will love you with all of our heart. And we will love one another more. Father, enable us to experience the love of the Father even as we meditate upon your word. Enable us to know that it is a Father who is speaking to their children. Because Lord, you want us to reign with you one day. And Lord, every son whom you receive, you discipline. So that we may be partakers of your holiness and of your righteousness. Therefore, to this, this evening, O oh Lord, even as we meditate upon your word, that you would bless the meditation of this word, O oh Lord, that you would anoint us in our, in our speaking and our hearing. And Lord, let every distraction flee. I bind every spirit of distraction, every spirit of tiredness that is trying to take your attention, the attention of God's people away from your word. Father, we bind it in the name of Jesus and we release ourselves for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, meditating upon God's word and he will will continue to meditate. And there's one parable um, of the fig tree which is mentioned in all the three gospels, four gospels in fact. The fig tree is mentioned. I was looking at that and in line of what we've been studying over several weeks in our church. And we will continue to look at that today, this evening. It's found in Mark's gospel, chapter 11. And um, this is also found in Matthew. Uh, in verse 12 onwards. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. Of course, we understand that the parable in some measure, we know that uh, fig tree symbolizes the people of Israel, the the children of God. Symbolically, it it, it represents us us as well. And one of the things that uh, God wants to look to see in our lives is the bearing of fruit. See, God is an investor. And when he gives something inside, he expects something out. That is the reason why he says, to whom much is given, much will be required. There is, our God is a God who expects fruit. And you know the parable, of course, and he comes and he sees uh, the fig tree, and it is not seasoned for the fig, for, 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 for figs. Of course, uh, the spiritual application of it, and if you've heard messages from uh, 
Pastor James also preached uh, about this some time back. He says, for us, for a Christian, for a believer, there is no season for fruit. You have to bear fruit all season. Just for spiritual, for spiritual season, there is no fruit. There is no season for love. There is no season for patience. There is no season for self-control. Every part of the year, you are expected to bear fruit of the Spirit. Yeah? But it's interesting that this parable of the fig tree is uh, mentioned in all three Gospels. And you look at this, uh, each of these Gospels, you get uh, different uh, paradigms. You get different uh, understanding of, this, of, of, of what God is expecting as fruit. You'll find this again in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. Uh, one of the very controversial chapters in the Bible. It's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 6 onwards. And he spoke this parable. A certain man man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it. And he found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking for fruit on this fig tree. And find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? When he's saying, come on, take it off. Cut it off. But he answered, the, the gardener answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it, and, and if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Now, look, when you look at this parable in, 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 its, in isolation, you may not get what exactly the fruit that God is expecting. You know, one of the things that you, uh, the way to study scripture is what we call as method of concentric circles. You study scripture in its context. So look at a word, verse, and if you want to understand the uh, the verse in its context, you look at the previous verse and the verse following it, and you will get an idea of what he's expecting. And if you don't get an idea, increase the radius of the circle even as you go through the Bible. So you understand the complete context in which the particular verse is being spoken. So if you want to look at the context, it's very interesting. The context is fantastic. Very, 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 very controversial in that sense. You know, you look at what, what happens in Luke's Gospel chapter 13 verse 1 onwards. This is in the context in which the parable is being spoken. They were present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? The question is, I mean, there was a, some Jews apparently got martyred. And he's asking the question, do you think these Galileans who's, who were martyred or were killed by, uh, by, by, uh, by Pilate, Pilate, they were worse sinners than all of you guys and the other Galileans there? And then he says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And he goes on to say, Are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. It's very interesting. He calls them offenders here and he calls them sinners there. Offenders in Jerusalem, sinners in Galilee. Now, the, the two different words in, 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 in Greek, by the way, sinner in, in, the, in Galilee means people who miss the mark of God. From where we get the word hamartia, sin. Offenders are those people who owe a debt to God which they cannot fulfill. They have offended God. And they owe a debt to God. And he's asking the question, do you think these guys who are in Jerusalem are worse offenders than all the people in Jerusalem? And he's saying, no, 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 no. If 
unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And then he speaks the parable. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree. You, got, you understand the context now? The context is, he's telling two incidences that have happened. And by the way, Josephus records these precise incidents that have happened in church history. One was martyrdom and the other is accident. You got that? And he's asking the question, some people are not martyred, murdered. It's not martyrdom. Some people are murdered and some people died because of an accident. And the question is asking them, what do you think is the reason for their death? You know, one of the common, if I, if I were to ask a survey and you will ask, what are the different ways people die? Old age, natural disasters, yeah, famine, excuse me. Sickness, okay, yeah, sickness, etc., etc., sickness, famine, uh, natural disasters, accidents, yeah. These are various ways in which people die. That, those are the methodologies in which we, they die. But the question is, why do they die? Hmm. Accidents? I mean, it's interesting. There are, therefore, he's, he's giving two incidents over here. He's saying one was murder. The other was an accident. And he's giving the same reason as to why these people died. And they died because of sin. It's amazing. And in that context, he's posing the parable. You got that? Okay. So I'm just making a few observations over here. People may die in various ways, but there is only one reason as to why they die, and that is because of sin. Three twenty-three Romans. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Six twenty-three. For the wages of sin is death. And one of the most controversial verses in the Bible. You know, this is the most contested verse in the Bible. It doesn't matter which background you come from. Like Pastor was talking about last Wednesday, he was talking about, you can have an atheist, you can have a religious man, you can have a person who is a Christian, but what is common to all of them? What is common to all of them? Death. Be, you know... Uh, Let me just read this controversial verse before I go. Look at this verse, okay? This is Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 14. Look at this verse, okay? This is the analysis. This is a proposition, if you will. This is a kind of a theorem, an axiom. You know, people study axioms in the, in, in, in mathematics, right? It's an axiom over here. This is the, this is an axiom. He's trying to say, therefore, just as sin came into the world through how many men? One man, sin came into the world. And what came because of sin? Death came because of sin. That is the reason why people die. People die because of sin. And so death spread to all men. Why? Because they all sinned. And then you know what? Does he put a full stop over there? No. He puts a hyphen, he puts a semicolon and he says, you know what? No, 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 no. I know, I know you guys are going to contest this like crazy. Your minds are traveling with, with such Speed 
and you are going to rebel against this and you are going to not accept this. Therefore, let me give you empirical proof. Data. I'm not a, you see, this is important, you see, uh, you know, there is a, if you study mathematics, not a mathematician, but look, I understand this in different ways, okay, there's something called as proof using mathematical induction, how many of you know it, mathematical induction, hey, come on, come on, come on, guys, you studied it, put your, put your hands, don't be ashamed of it, yeah, Vilas knows it, you know what, mathematical induction, if you, let's say you have a proposition, you have a left-hand side and you have a right-hand side, you want to prove left hand side is equal to right hand side or not equal to right hand side. How do you prove it? The way to prove it is take all possible data and see if this particular equation is satisfied with every possible data. And if it is, if it is satisfied by every possible data, then that statement is true. Even if one data point does not satisfy that equation, then it is false. See, that is what we call as counter example. Give me one counter example, I can prove it is wrong. What we call in, 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 in mathematics, we call it reductio absurdum. So you go, go with a pro- proposition and you come, end up with a contradiction and then you say, boss, I'm taking a proposition, I'm ending up with a contradiction and therefore what my proposition is false. I mean, I'll see, uh, you, you thought that you don't need mathematics to study the Bible, you need. Oh, I, I'll tell you why I, I get excited because of this. You know, there was one preacher who said, if Paul were to be a computer scientist, he would have been one of the best computer scientists in the world. In, in fact, he would have been the m- number one in the most influential people in Forbes list. This guy's brilliant. He's, 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 he's exploiting, and he says, I have, imp- you have a, you have a problem here. He's saying, I know you guys will contest this because I made a fantastic statement. One man sinned. He died. Death came to all men because all, all sinned. And you will say, Oh, no, 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 no. How can you say that? Then he says, Hold on. I put a semicolon and didn't put a period. Okay. And he says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. However, death reigned from Adam till the lawgiver Moses, even over those people who did not sin in the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. Meaning, there were so many people who died before the law came. And why do you think they all died? Because they sinned. Huge, colossal. And you know how many religions contest this? The doctrine of what we call as original sin. But you know what? There is only one reason as to why people die. It may, they may die in several ways, but there is only one reason they die. It is because of sin. I did not say that. Paul said it. And if you have a problem, if you reach there on the other side, contend with him. So that is the only reason for death. And it is so devastating sin is that one man sinned and the whole world died. You see, that is incredible. You see, when Paul makes this fantastic statement in Romans chapter 8, he says, uh, what can separate us? If God be for us, who can be against us? But when is God for us? Only when we have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, right? Otherwise, he's not with us. 
And then he says, if you have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, can famine, can nakedness, can peril, can destruction, can anything separate you from the love of Christ? No, 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 no. Those things, your circumstances will not separate you from the love of Christ, but sin will. That will. So unless you repent, therefore, you will never be able to enter into life. So remember the context in which that particular parable is being positioned. Reason for death is because of sin. And then he poses the parable, says, you know what, this man came and he's looking for fruit. What is the fruit, therefore, that he is looking for? Oh, no. Sin, sin. So, but, but, oh, but before we go there, we'll look at some definitions of sin in the Bible. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin, practices lawlessness as well. Indeed, sin is lawlessness or transgression of the law, which we call as sin of commission. But you know that Christ appeared to take away sins and in him there is no sin. So sin is lawlessness. The first definition of sin in the Bible. Second definition of sin, James chapter 4 verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, what is it? Sin. What we call sin of omission. And then for believers even more deadly, 1423 Romans, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. And because their eating is not from faith and everyone that does, everything that does not come from faith is sin. Hmm. Another analysis. Look at, this is Old Testament, this is New Testament. Look at Old Testament. Look at what Ezekiel has to say in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 21 onwards. But if a wicked man, or wicked person, turns away from all his sins that he has committed, and keeps all my statutes, and does what is just and right, he shall surely will live, he, he shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him, for the righteousness that he has done, he shall live. What is the righteousness? What is the righteousness that he has done? He turned away. That is the righteousness. Next one. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, and not rather that they should turn from his way and live. Next verse. But when a righteous person, look at that, turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? Answer. No. None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed for them, he shall die. So, the question therefore, in the context of this parable, what is the one fruit that God is always looking for? And the answer, yes, somebody already said, unless you repent. What is that fruit? It is the ability to change our mind. That is the fruit. You see, we look at love, we look at joy, we look at peace, we look at long-suffering, we look at all the fruit of the Spirit. But let me tell you, those fruit, that that fruit is only possible because we have an ability to change our mind. And that is the gift that God gives. The first fruit that He expects in our lives is a fruit of repentance. Okay. And He finds this, you find this in Luke's Gospel chapter 3. 
verse 8 onwards. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise from raise up children to Abraham from these stones. So if anybody says, you know what, I was born a Baptist, Methodist, whateverist, you're a Papist. Okay. <laughs> Even if you're a Papist, you're a Papist. Okay. So you are, doesn't matter. So a lot of people say, My fa- I was right from the childhood, I was in the church. God says, Baba, don't say that Abraham is our father. In other words. And he says, you have to bring forth bare fruits worthy of repentance. And then he says, look at the context, look at the beautiful context. He says, and even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear this fruit worthy of repentance is cut down and thrown into the fire. And when people are have heard this message, they are cut to their heart. They ask the question, what shall we do? So the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answers and said to them, he who has two tunics, tunics, let him give to, to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. The tax collectors also came to be baptized and said, and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Okay, in other words, then he knows exactly what tax collectors want to do. They want to take more money from you. And they will keep sending you uh, intimations to grab more money. You know, it's a very interesting thing that happened to me. It really scared me. Scared me. You remember pastor keeps telling us, they never return our money when you file tax returns. How many of you got your money back? Dad got. I got my money back for the first time. And I got it with during with, with uh, internet transfer. And I got a receipt also. I said, oh my goodness, I am a counter example. Somehow the tax people have given my money back. You see, they always want to, see, that is what God, he's telling to the tax collectors. And then, and the soldiers came, like the police people, the, the, the those people who collect hafta, they came. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, and what shall we do? So he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now, if you look at the context here, there is one, what we call as a general command, or general fruit of repentance, and there is a specific command, or what we call as a specific fruit of repentance. How do I know this? Look at that. Let's read that verse again. So the people, who are these? And the other translations will say, the multitude. Everybody came in. So in the in the multitude, you had Pharisees, you had carpenters, you had uh, uh, plumbers, you had Levites, you had priests, all kinds of people. They came. They said, what shall we do? And he gives them a general command. What is the general command? He says, he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. So this particular command... Is for tax collectors, it is for is for soldiers, it is for every kind of people. What is this general command? The general command is the, the first commandment. What is the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul, etc. etc. If you have done that, one thing that automatically flows from your heart is love for others. You understand that? That is what we call as a general command. And you'll see that in Romans chapter 13 verse 8 onwards. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
Why? For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other com- com- uh, commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So he gives a specific general commandment to everybody. He says, love one another. And then, of those people, there are specific commands he gives to specific kinds of people. The tax collectors come and ask them this question. What shall we do to express our love for another? And you know what? He knows specifically what is the struggle of the tax collector. What is the struggle of the tax collector? Money, 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 money. So he gives a specific command. What is the specific commandment? It says, teacher, what shall we do? Collect no more than what is appointed. And the police people, I think right from 2000 years back, they have the same problem. Hafta, bribe. It is no different. Even today, they have the same problem. What is the problem? Sir, they do. And I remember, right, I was, uh, was, I was at uh, the Bashir Bagh uh, intersection, not Bashir Bagh, Tangband intersection. On my bike, I didn't see the uh, red light. I overshot it. Initial, immediately the spot belly came. Okay. Stopped. So upset with me. And he said, it switched off my engine and uh, I said, side miracle. Just, I recognized it. I said, now put the, this thing down and I, I sat next to him like this. He said, he'd ask me, kya kar rahe? Sorry, sir. Chalan barna padta. Kitna chahiye? I'll just go to the ATM. I'll withdraw the money. You'll tell me how much you want me to pay. I will give it to you. Chando, chando. Two sir rupees, do chao. I said, sir, don't worry. You just give me a chalan. Chitna bhi hai, me bardunga. Hurry, abhi saab, wahan par hai, jo bhi de do. Sir, me ne kar sakta hai, sir, please, sir. I parked my bike. I will go to the ATM, withdraw the money, and I will give it to you. And he looked at me. What do you do? And those days I was a uh, was a lecturer in. I said I work in Triple IT as a faculty. Tumare jaise log bhot kam hai. Jao. And he left me. Okay, but that is their problem. You go anywhere. You go to the post office. The postman will expect bribe. <laughs> he look at you like that. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. See, the same problem. There's a, what is God doing? He's looking at a general commandment and he's looking at specific struggles. Specific sins which will cause death in each one of our lives. And you look at them and you'll say, thank God I'm not a tax collector. Thank God I'm not a police fellow. See, that is how we get rid of and overshoot and we'll just go away. You know what God is saying? There's a principle. There is a general commandment to love and there is a specific struggle of each one of us. For example, remember, the last, not the last Sunday, the Sunday before that pastor was talking about the one sin Joshua struggled was with, if you heard the message, fear. Uh-huh. Specific. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Deny it just in case you forgot. Be strong and courageous. Moses did not struggle with fear. The specific sin of Joshua was fear. 
general sin love but specific sin fear what about us husbands <laughs> specific sin you will struggle with is to love your wives wives specific sin that you will struggle with is to honor your husbands children the specific sin that you will struggle with is to submit and to obey your parents as to the lord so, uh, slaves specific sin that you will struggle with is with your master especially the master who is unrighteous and masters the specific sin that you will struggle with is to take care of your slaves specific there is general commandments and there is specific commandments and you will tell let me tell you something you know what causes death in a believer there are some sins which lead to death and some which we need not lead to death but there is a death which occurs even in our terms of a relationship even if it is temporary there is a death god god stops speaking to us that's exactly what happened to abraham one thing he committed god stops speaking and there is death in that relationship and there is only one thing that causes death in a relationship is the what sin specific sin you know what adam and eve were not given general sin they were given what specific sin what is that specific thing now shall not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and that specific thing they broke and what happened death came death does not come because of general death comes because of specific and each one has their own specific hmm the danger of not taking care of specific sins you see you'll find this paradigms in the old covenant and we look at a very interesting paradigm the last words of david to his son solomon this is found in first kings chapter 2 when the time time drew near for david to die he gave a charge to to solomon his son look at what he says I am about to go the way of all the earth he said so be strong act like a man <sighs> I like that observe what the lord your god requires walk in obedience to him keep his decrees and commands his laws and regulations as written in the law of moses do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go okay that is what command specific or general Uh, general 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 come on observe the law read the bible how many if you get the command read the bible pray every day everybody gets the command that's exactly the same thing he's telling solomon look at the specifics though and that is disturbing that is really really disturbing the specifics that he gives is not got anything to do with solomon's character but is got to do with solomon's power that look at what he says now you yourself know what job the son of zeruah had did, did to me what he did to the uh, two commanders of israel's uh, israel's armies abner abner son of ner and amasa son of jether he killed them shedding their blood and in peace time as if in battle and with that blood he stained the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet deal with him according to your wisdom but do not let his gray head go down to the grave in peace political specifics then another is political specific and remember you have with you have with uh, Shim, uh, you have with you shimai son of gera the benjamite from bahurim who called down bitter curses on me the day i went to manim it's interesting right when that guy was cursing him 
Let him curse. God has allowed him to curse, but that thing is still in his heart. Specifics. When he came down to meet me at Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death. But now do not consider him innocent. You are a man with wisdom. You will know what to do to him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. That is a specific. What should the specifics that God, that David should have spoken to Solomon? You see, people in power, they have certain specific struggles. And the Bible is so fantastic, it actually tells you exactly what you will struggle with, especially when you come into positions of leadership. First Kings chapter 2. And then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. But look at the specifics, especially to the king. You know, what should have David told Solomon? Deuteronomy chapter 17, you'll find this. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell it in and say, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me. You shall surely set a king over you. Whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren, you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. So he's saying, this is how you have to choose a king for yourself. But what should the king do? The specifics for the king. You see that? The specifics for the king. What is the specific for the king? But he shall not multiply horses for himself. So what should have David said? Kings, uh, Solomon, don't multiply horses for yourself. Please. Nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Don't go down to Egypt to get more horses, please. For the Lord said, you shall not return that way. Neither shall you multiply wives. He should have told Solomon, please Solomon, one thing I did and I'm bearing the brunt of that. I multiplied wives. You know the mess that has happened in the kingdom because of that. Please, for heaven's sake, don't multiply wives. Specific. Nor shall he multiply for himself silver and gold for himself. Specific again. And then, also it shall be, look at this, this is fantastic. When he sits on the throne of his kingdom, what should he do for himself? He should write the law. In other words, he should call the Levites. Come here, Levites, Levites, come here. Please bring me the scroll. I want to write from Genesis 1 to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31, 32. I want to write everything for myself. From Genesis 1, Genesis 2, write, write, write. And the Levites will keep on observing. Hey, grammar mistake over there. Cut it off. Write. You know, you know the Francis Bacon thing? Reading makes a broad man. Speaking makes a ready man. Writing makes a exact man. Francis Bacon. So write, write even as you write. That's what you tell children, right? Express yourself when you write. You become more exact. You know what your what thoughts are going into your mind. You meditate upon it. Write it down. Put it. Write it. Write it. Write it. Write it. Write the law from Genesis 1 to Deuteronomy. Write it and let it be a copy. Put it on your shelf. And you know what? Meditate upon it. You know what happened? A sad state of affairs. Because that specific was not given to Solomon. The law was even lost. 
And they lost the copy of the law in the house of the law until Joseph had discovered it several hundred years later. Specific. You see, I'll tell you something. When God gives us specific commandments and we don't obey them as parents, as children, it has not only consequences for us, it has consequences for our children. It has devastating consequences. You see? For example, if you are not, if you are not uh, faithful in the, in the, in the handling of money, for example, let's say, we don't, as parents, don't have the discipline of handling money righteously. You know, you do that, you are not unrighteous, with, you are uh, unrighteous with money, that what happened to Gehazi will happen to him and to his entire household because he could not handle the specific command of handling money. You see, that is dangerous, 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 dangerous. Specific commands God gives us and we have to be very careful. And you know something? It is the specifics which are difficult, not the general. Like I was telling on Sunday, if you tell, ask uh, your son, son, on the way to home, on the, on the way to ho- school and back to home, don't commit adultery, don't steal a bank, don't commit murder. Obey me. What will happen? He'll come home and he says, Papa, I obeyed you. I did not commit murder, I did not commit adultery, I did not steal. That is general. What, what is the specific? Son, Don't waste time. Come home early. Don't fool around with other friends. Come home early. That is a specific. You see, the specifics are so important. If you fool around with the specifics, you will have long-term consequences. And that is not me. It is the Bible. Don't fool around with the specifics. You see, uh, when, 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 and we fight with the specifics, by the way. We all, I mean, we, if we have mentorship sessions with pastor, one of the things that he gives me specifics, and those are the specifics that I really hate. Honestly. Oh, come on now. This, but that specific is have the capacity to destroy me spiritually. Hmm. And then he says, and it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe the words of his law and all his statutes and that his heart should not be lifted above his brethren. What happens when people are given positions of authority? They think that they are better than the others. Oh, so, so careful. You know, you study, you think people in uh, top schools, they think that they are the cat's whiskers. They have an aura about themselves, the way they walk, etc., etc., etc. The Ivy League attitude is a demonic attitude. It's pride from the pit of hell. You see? What happens to Solomon? You see how systematically he breaks the specifics? You want to see? See? Observe. First Kings chapter 3 verse 1. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of, king of Egypt. And married. Don't go down to Egypt. He not only went down to Egypt, he married Pharaoh's daughter also. He married the the daughter of the devil. And then, look at the next one. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. 1,000 chariots, 12,000 horsemen. Multiplying chariots. Please don't do that. What did he do? Multiply chariots. And then, don't multiply silver and gold. The king made silver as common as Jerusalem stones. <laughs> the silver is so, so abundant that stone and silver has the same price. Silver became so common as stone. That much of wealth multiplication. 
You know, sometimes I feel when you look at the kind of deals that these sportsmen have, not the tennis stars. Oh, the football stars. Ridiculous. 32 million dollars a year. I mean, the surprising thing is that why did they not actually fall into worse sin? They are already messed up in their lives, in their personal lives. But the surprising is that they have not gone even to the depths. You see every sportsman, especially you see the NBA stars and the and the and the and the football stars in Europe. You have, have you seen their lifestyle messed up totally? Why? They don't know how to handle money. They don't have character to handle money. You see, they don't have it. You see, God has to give us success. But you know what? We should have the character to handle success. Why do many people not succeed? Is because they don't have the character to handle success. It's like, you know, uh, we, 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 are, we are like the children of Israel. Oh Lord, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. Okay, run around uh, Jer- uh, Jericho for seven times uh, in seven days. On the seventh day, seven times, boom, everything falls and they go and conquer Jericho. Are yabi, we can do it. Take it easy. Lord, I, simple. Overconfident once, absolutely no confidence before. We are like that. The king made silver as common as Jerusalem stones and he made cedar trees and abundant as the sycamores which were in the lowland. And then what happened? The final, Solomon had horses imported from. Where should you not go to get each horses from? Is, have you seen how he broke the specific commandments? Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150. And thus through their agents Boy, look at this. This is agents already there. They exported them to all the kings of Hittites and the kings of Syria. Then, finally, Solomon loved many foreign women. See the specifics, how it destroyed? As well as the daughters of Pharaoh. Women of Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians and Hittites from the nations of which the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them. Specifics. Surely they will turn you away, your hearts after their God. Solomon clung to these in love. And then what happened? And he had 700 princesses, 300 concubines. And he, you know what he said? He actually positioned himself to fall. One wife is not sufficient to fall. Two wives not sufficient. I'm not falling. You know, that's exactly so many believers. They put the Lord that God to test. Oh, one side, okay, okay, okay. I'm not falling. No, no problem. Another, 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 third. Th- putting yourself in positions to fall. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord as God, as was the heart of the father, David. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, when you come under mentorship, you know what God is going to give you? specific commands. And you have so many young children over here. One specific command, honor your father and your mother, honor your elders and submit to their authority. It will go well with you. And you break that. It doesn't matter. Every other command you think that you're keeping, you would have messed up your life because you failed in the specifics and not in the general. So it happened. Look at this. What should he do? Should, should He should not become more proud than his brothers, right? Look at what's 
what Solomon did because of all this. This is exactly what happens to him. It happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it. That they sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. You see that? What he did? He exalted himself above his brothers. His heart was lifted above his brothers. Everything that the Lord said would happen in the book of Deuteronomy happened to Solomon specifically. That's a warning to all of us. So what is a specific commandment that God is giving me? I want to look at one specific commandment to all of us. And it might be very, very disturbing. So several specifics, but one specific which encapsulates all specifics. Okay. <laughs> look at this. this. is found in Luke's Gospel chapter 10. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And the specific that Martha is given. How many things? Everybody say. Like, can I hear you? How many things? Is it specific or general? Specific. What is that specific? Jesus said to Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed to sit at my feet and to submit to my authority every day of your life. That is one specific thing that you have to do. And you have a lot of young people over here. Otherwise, you know what happened? You are distracted with much serving. Have you seen so much of our energy is dissipated on stupid things? In a day, I mean, we as researchers know. Okay, <laughs> you go to the lab, concentrations are all around the place to get that concentration and the thesis. Oh my goodness, what a battle it is. And this is coming, that is coming, boss will call this class, that class, that tutorial. By the time the evening goes, all our energies have been scattered. Do you face that in your life where you are not able to do the one specific thing that God has asked you to do? Distracted with so many things. First Peter, likewise you younger people, submit, come under mentorship, come under discipline, be disciplined. At an early age, look at this, this is my one of my favorite verses in the new translation that I'm reading. This is number, uh, Lamentations 3.27, everybody knows this, but look at this fantastic translation. Look at this, I, it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of discipline. Otherwise, you know what is going to happen when you do not submit to the yoke of discipline at a very young age. By the time you grow up, you will not have the tenacity and the character to channel your energies and you will dissipate so much of your energies on stupid things. And therefore, I'll come to a tennis star. Look at this guy. What's his name? Yeah, So, I told you, that's the reason they're not tennis stars. This guy, I'm telling you honestly, okay, you just, you have to write a, bi- I'm going to write a biography, by the way, if he gives me the chance. I would not mind. I read an article in the morning, just in the morning, okay, they were discussing as to why this guy is successful like this. Crazy. The crazy part of his success is 11 French Open Grand Slams. That is 
mind boggling i'll tell you why it is the most difficult exercise in tennis not wimbledon wimbledon is ballet dancer what do you have serve volley serve volley serve volley but in on a clay court and especially on roland garros you have to earn every point it is a exercise or, a, or an examination in stamina and skill and endurance and people just go crazy this guy not one french open one people said one french open is great two french open is great we thought bjorn borg was the greatest he got six french opens this guy 10 and the recent 11 11 french opens and he becomes a, becomes a legend and somebody is analyzing him and you know this is secular media and i was reading this article in the morning the first thing one of the first things what i do in the morning is read my bible and also read rafa look at what this is about rafa okay this is fantastic one word which defines rafael nadal is certainty boy when i read that i was i was stunned when somebody who was observing this guy says you know what this guy is absolutely consistent and he says since the time that he the time the young 19 year old announced himself to the world with his first french open win in 2004 he has approached the game with unerring uniformity you, you know what uniformity is i'll tell you what uniformity is sun static example moon earth goes around the sun 365 days comes back Does it change? No. Three hundred and sixty. You can predict the exact position of the Earth at any given point of time. That is what we call as uniformity. There is unerring uniformity in this guy. That's what he's saying. Remember Isaiah, right? He says, "Listen, O heavens! Listen, O earth!" <laughs> I have brought up children, but they rebelled against me. You fellows. you go with unerring uniformity my people my goodness the most indisciplined fellows we don't know where they are <sighs> look at what he says look at look at what 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 goes on perhaps look at this this is fantastic okay this is secular media talking about a, about a secular guy perhaps the strongest thread of continuity in his career has been the presence of his coach and uncle <sighs> what is the one thing that was consistent was mentorship tony nadal in the stands tony introduced rafael to tennis when he was just 3 years and continued coaching him till january last year helping him to win 16 grand slams including 11 or 10 french opens during the course of their association he says tony was rafael's coach for 28 years wow have a mentor for one year christian forget about 20 years he was the one who famously told rafael to abandon his two handed forehand for a one handed left hand and that has become the most lethal weapon in men's tennis you know what the greatest forehand in the history of tennis is rafa's with a what we call as a helicopter forehand the other the winner recorded in, uh, in 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 the french open was 4800 rpm Phew. it's crazy i mean it stays hit period once he hits the ball it is bye bye baby 
It's gone. And you know what he says? Look at this. So you look at the product, like pastors keep saying, you look at the product. (laughs) You like the product, but you don't like the process of the product. Look at the process. Many of the habits one associates with Raphael have been instilled by his first coach. The never say die attitude in chasing seemingly lost causes and the impeccable behavior on court. Have you seen tennis players smashing their rackets? Including our great Roger Federer. You tell me once you have seen his entire career smashing one racket. They actually want to kill the opponent. But they can't do that. They'll say, you should die, you fellow. And they go and pick up the other racket. You know what Rav used to tell him? I am not going to chase your balls. You have to go and chase your own ball. Chase it. The impeccable behavior on court have been characteristic traits credited for which Tony should be the only party. Boy, when I said, you know what? I said, Lord, how many of us in Christendom have a mentor for one year consistently? Consistently. That is the one thing many of us lack. Everybody is doing what is coming into their own minds. It's like the days of... Judges, everybody does what is, what is happening in the worship team, I don't know. Everybody is doing whatever they want to do. What is happening in the sound team, I don't know. Everybody is doing whatever they want to do. I'm just giving examples. What is happening in the Bible study, I don't know. Everybody is doing whatever they want to do. What is happening in the school, everybody is doing whatever they want to do. It is so pathetic in Christendom that you don't have people who have the minimum courtesy to come and inform the eldership. What they are doing. See that. And is it any wonder that we are absolutely scattered when it comes to our energies? You are not focused. Look at what he says. He goes on to say, okay, I am not stopped with Rafa yet. If you have a great guide, look at that. If you have a great guide who looks after you from a young age and you start training under those people, there is little chance that you wouldn't end up successful. So look for that mentor, says Nikhil Sharma, CEO of Zlet Sports Management. Look for that mentor. And how does this fellow become world class? You know, how how does this fellow become world class? He says, Sharma invokes Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule that it takes 10 thousand hours of practice to become world class in any field. So if a family member or a coach looks after you at a young age in any vocation, chances are you will have completed 10,000 hours of practice giving you a great chance to become the world class in your field. So I was counting the number of hours we heard teaching in our church. On an average one hour sermon one and a half hour sermon let's say. So let's say one hour on an average 52 weeks Plus Wednesday, so 100 hours per year. Times 10, 1000 hours. So we got at least another 10 more years to go. Well, of course, that is in the secular field. But if you submit to God at an early age, boy, look at this guy. I mean, that is the reason why I, I, I have respect for him because of this, because of the attitude, because of the process. Not just because of talent. 
Roger Federer talent bolo to Roger Federer is goat greatest of all time you can give any accolade and you know what they call him they call him GCOAT greatest competitor of all time it helps to have someone at the start to do the thinking for you children you don't know what is right and what is wrong let your parents do the thinking for you don't say i know what is the children's always mama papa what is the thing i know really you know if you are if you know why your why is your life messed up like this you know you see drawing the parallel sharma says most achievers in any field have a set routine about 80 to 90% of their life is very well sorted compartmentalized and disciplined no wonder we emphasize this over and over in our church. What is that? It is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of discipline. I'll tell you, my dear brothers and young brothers and young sisters over here, including my daughters, what a privilege you have. You have no idea that you have mentors who are doing the thinking for you. And the chances are, they will have at least 10,000 hours of thinking that they'll be doing for you in the next 20 years. That will set you for life. And then you will say, Hare Vijay, I came to the Lord very, very late in life. What do I have? You don't have any hope for me? No, no, no. I also came late in life. (laughs) Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. The fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the spirit. What do you know what he says? For God has not given us the spirit of timidity. For the spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and you know what the spirit gives you actually? Self-discipline. It gives you. It has already given you. Exercise it. Let it bear fruit in our lives. Exercise it. Come on, I know, look, pastor keeps telling us, right? If you, if you take 40 days, you can break any habit. 40 days it takes. Take a 40 day challenge. 40 day challenge. What was, what is the habit? You have a habit of speaking a lot on phone. Or not exercising. Take a 40 day challenge. Let's see. Why? Not because we have the ability in ourselves, because he gave us the spirit of Self-discipline, the ability. It says, other translations will say, sound, what? Mind. You know why? Because discipline is a state of mind. The ability to change is starting in the mind. That is the first fruit God is looking for, my dear brothers and sisters. The ability to change the way we think in our mind. Sound mind. Otherwise, I mean, this is the promise of the new covenant, by the way. This is new covenant. I didn't say it. New covenant, Hebrews chapter 10. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and where? And in their minds. I will what? Ah, 
What a way. You know what is happening even now when you, even as you are submitting to teaching, God is writing his laws, specific laws in the minds of young people who are yielded to him. And he's saying, you know what? You can start today. You can start today. We can do that today. So if you don't practice this, what will happen? Hebrews chapter 6. For it is impossible. <laughs> I didn't say that. If you have a problem, Please don't contend with me. Paul also anonymously didn't say it because they will all sit on his head. So nobody knows who wrote it. So everybody says God wrote it, not man. Okay. For it is impossible in the case of those who have been once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of age to come and then have fallen away to restore them back to the change of mind is what? Everybody say See that, say that loudly. Impossible. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Why? So He has to substantiate the statement, right? He says why He's doing that. Why is He saying that? For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls upon it and does not produce a crop. You see, the repentance and production of crop is going together. Receives a blessing from the Lord, uh, 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 produces a crop useful for those who sake it, for, for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from the Lord. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to be, being cursed and its end is to be burned. And it all, when you read this, what will happen? Your heart will start beating against your chest. How, does it happen to you? I, it happens to every time. This one, one verse I want to avoid. But read it and also read the, which verse? The next verse. Oh, look at the next verse. Though we speak in this way, brothers, we feel sure of better things in your, in your case. Things that belong or accompany salvation for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints and you still do. Even we speak like this, but you know what? We are persuaded of better things for you. Things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany salvation is a fruit of what? Repentance. The ability to constantly keep changing our mind even as we are fed the word of God. Because he said he will write our his law in our hearts and in our minds. And he will cause us to walk in his ways. So the question is, is God pointing out at one specific in your life today? You know it. The sin that so easily besets you is there right next to you. And if you don't deal with it, it's a warning in scripture. 32, 23 warning. Easy to remember. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. See that? But thank God, He doesn't leave us with, without hope. There is always hope. You know, the very fact that we have come here on every Wednesday, it is, there is hope for us. Expectancy in our hearts. We need to come and say, Lord, I want to change. I want to ca- allow you to cause me to change in my life. And what is that one specific sin that God is talking to you specifically? And you, you know, He knows you, what you're struggling with. Husbands may be struggling to love their wives. Wives may be struggling to love their uh, love and respect and honor their husbands, children, with the elders, with your, you may be struggling with discipline, but the co- most commonest struggle, commonest 
sorry, I'm killing your English, but I'm an engineer, so I can, I'm, I've got the ability, uh, the, 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 the license to kill language. <laughs> okay. So, see, it's, but the, the thing is that it's, it's a slow process. You know what God says to Joshua? He says, you'll be able to conquer them little by little. They will all not go in one day. Because if one day it goes, what will happen? Wild animals will come. That's it. What happens? People, when they become successful, even in the spiritual case, very early, what happens? Pride sets in. It's a dangerous thing. God has his plan. Don't be in a hurry. Because God is not in a hurry. But little by little, one day at a time, you know, when you start killing habits, when you, you know, as I say, habit, when you take off the H, you have a bit. When you take off the A, you have bit. You take off the B, you still have it. So it's a slow process, but takeoffs. H, A, B, and I, and finally it's gone. Amen. Let's all pray this evening. Father, we thank you, Father, for uh, speaking to us. We believe, Father, that you have spoken specifically to each one of us, pointing out to us areas where we struggle specifically. Father, we all are in this journey, but you said, Lord, little by little, little by little, oh Lord, but Lord, let it be done, even if it is one bit at a time, but let us progress in our walk with you. Enable us, Lord, Father, not to go grow weary in doing good, because you said in due season, you will repay if you do not lose heart, and enable us not to lose heart in our walk. Enable us to be consistent, enable us to be constant, enable us to come under mentorship, Enable us to choose godly mentors who will speak into our lives and to submit to their eldership and their leadership in our lives, O Lord. Especially put that spirit in young people. They will come voluntarily to, to elders in church and they will come under leadership and authority and mentorship so that it can go well with them. It is good, as you said, O Lord, for people to bear the self-discipline yoke when they are young. Enable us, Lord Father, to be disciplined, to come under the discipline. As you, as we hear a lot so many times, even in the secular world, a lot, self-discipline is a free man's yoke. We have to take it upon ourselves. You will not force, force it upon us, a lot. Enable us to take it upon ourselves, a lot, and to walk with you. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. And even as we go back home, take us, reach us, reach us to our homes safely. In Jesus' name we pray.